mean one, Mr. Grinch. In their last 17 Monday night games at home, <laughs> yeah. the Redskins have lost 16 of them. Mr. Grinch, you're a bad banana with a greasy black... Pig. Even the defense, which sucks, was worse than expected. Just a terrible, dis- disappointing game. You're a monster, Mr. Grinch. Just utterly neutralizing your whole strategy of having the ball in first possession in the second half. But to turn it over at the zero, I mean, freaking (laughs) A. Just like I I couldn't pay attention to anything that happened in the game for ten minutes after that. I was just so stupefied by the imbecility of that ridiculous play. You're a vile one, Mr. Grinch. You have to Welcome into Burgundy Blogcast, the official podcast of Burgundy Blog. The man behind Burgundy Blog is Brent. In every game, Brent gives us one word to describe the game. Brent, what is your one word for this 26-15 loss to the Carolina Panthers? Uh, well, <clears throat> Hayes, I've been thinking long and hard about this in the uh, two and a half minutes since the game ended. <laughs> and several of my choices um, uh, were comprised of four letters. But... I'm going to ultimately go with the word pathetic. I think tonight's performance by the Redskins was pathetic. All right. Now, uh, a little disclaimer before we jump into the the action. As you may know, if you have some history with this podcast, I am based in North Carolina and I'm actually a Panthers fan. So it was actually kind of an odd one to watch for me. I'm pulling for one team. But aside from that, I just watched the game differently. And I so I wasn't really watching the Redskins as much. I've got some commentary, but as I always do, I'll still let you take the lead on the game knowledge. What uh, what things were most pathetic for? I guess all of that was to say, I think I would share your view of being more mad about it, if not for the fact that I was maybe watching for the Panthers to win too. What was most pathetic and what led you to, to use the word pathetic uh, to describe the game from the Washington side? So this this game, <clears throat> I mean, needless to say, extremely important. Uh, the Redskins are not mathematically eliminated having lost it. But uh, with, with Dallas's uh, win over Tampa um, earlier, uh, the Redskins were back in control of their own playoff fate, if you will. And all they had to do was keep winning. And they had an extremely winnable game at home against a team with a losing record, albeit a team with a talented roster. But every every possible reason you could think of to be extremely focused, hyper prepared and and just ready to play tonight. And instead, what you got from basically the beginning was just a flat, crappy performance by the whole team and the coaching staff, all three phases on the field. Uh, all three phases equally to blame. Just just so disappointing for fans to get totally geeked for this game and this opportunity that is the last three games. Potentially uh, the first consecutive playoff appearances for the Redskins in forever. And they come out and just lay an egg. Um, just totally disappointing. Under underachieved. Even the you know even the defense, which sucks, was worse than expected. Just a terrible, disappointing game. Uh, Well, loyal listener Ken had hoped that you would have such disdain for the performance and for the outcome tonight. So I think that you will uh, be speaking the mind of many Washington fans. Uh, Obviously, there's going to be discussions going on in that locker room right now. Uh, Was there... 
like you said, there's every reason to believe they should be not only focused, not only fired up, uh, but, but you know, ready to go, playing with passion, playing with precision, with all that. And yet there was almost none of that. It, can you offer any explanation? I mean, I, I, we don't tend to get into the knee-jerk, man, if they can't get up for this game, this coaching staff clearly doesn't have anything to get them out of here. Somebody will say that on the radio tomorrow, I guarantee you. The, it's almost what you're saying is if they couldn't get up for this game in the way they needed to, that's a reflection of, of huge problems. We're not, we don't typically go into that area of knee-jerk on one games. Are, are you that upset that you're, you know, that you're calling for the blowing up of, of things, being they um, big personnel moves, coaching staff or otherwise? Uh, is this game that sort of ugly? <clears throat> yeah, you know, I'm with you. Obviously, Hayes, I mean, on this podcast and and if you follow my blog and my tweets and whatever, um, you know, I really do try not to be super reactionary. Uh, I mean, I'm 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 passionate about this. I'm I, I, I'm intense about this sometimes. But, um, you know, I try to keep things in perspective. And, and, and I don't think, you know, I, I, I don't think that, um, you know, I've kind of hated that every single game of the season was a referendum on Kirk Cousins' future yeah. and and on, you know, for example, Joe Barry's future with the Redskins. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think that, you know, the team has been a, a pleasant watch for most of the year. And I do think that Kirk Cousins has had a very good season. And I don't think that this one game should erase or even, you know, drastically diminish um, you know, the many accomplishments of the team to this point. But um, I, I think that this is potentially a loss with lasting consequences, you know, in answer to your question. Um, I think that because this was such an important game and again, another one on 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 a national stage under the lights it and because, frankly, Cousins had tonight one of his worst games of the year, if not his very worst game of the year yeah, no against against possibly, I mean, statistically one of the worst or even the worst pass defenses in the NFL. So you're talking huge stage, super important, wide open opportunity and possibly his worst performance. So for him, you know, I hate to say it, but like this game will definitely be drawn into contract discussions. And then, you know, you look at the coaching staff and you ask me if I think stuff needs to be blown up. I mean, from the top down, no, I mean I think Jay Gruden has done an admirable job with this team over the past couple of seasons, and I like the way that he has been able to, um, time and time again, generate from them a response to adversity. But I think when you look at this defense, which really has just struggled all year, and um, when you look at the way the Panthers, who you know, when you look at Cam coming in super cold, completion percentage less than 50 for three games in a row or whatever. And the way they kind of just did whatever they wanted for most of the game, and even the final score with an 11-point margin, totally, in my opinion, does not depict the extent to which the Panthers outplayed the Redskins tonight. I mean, the, the, the Panthers really, they blew a bunch of opportunities of their own and were inefficient in the red zone uh, and really should have won by a lot more for a pretty lopsided score. I think that this game really brings into much clearer focus, like, Okay, we've talked about the defense not having the horses, but Joe Barry is not getting these defenders in position to be competitive right now. You've got, you've got, uh, you know, the other team is constantly breaking long runs in crunch time when you desperately need to stop, and the other team is constantly having wide receivers just run free in wide open acres and acres of space. So it's, um, I do think that this game will be thought about heavily. 
uh, when when looking at you know what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins and the defensive coordinator Joe Barry. They call me back to Santa. I make my runs about the break of day. hit you with one theory that maybe I could get out in front of uh, in the in the Washington area and let's see if anybody else bites on this one and I'm partly going back to my boy Josh Norman who uh, I'm going to claim to have had insight on because he played for Carolina so long but obviously that was one of the stories going into this I think maybe the storyline kind of worked against him because you know that the coaches and probably some teammates and everybody's words were hey man don't get too hyped we need you to be settled down. Now, I'm not putting any of the blame of the play on Norman. He seemed to have a pretty good game. I mean, they, they went at him a couple times on underneath routes when he was on, you know, Kelvin Benjamin, who's going to make those catches. Uh, he had that one deep ball late where he uh, – uh, not late, but long deep ball, I think in the second half where he almost made a pick, but he was definitely yep. stride for stride with, yep. with getting on the deep ball there. So, uh, I'm not laying any of it at the feet of Josh Norman, but – uh, if he is, as I've sort of surmised before, that Steve Smith type player, then for better or worse, you know, the team may have been tied up in a little bit of Josh Norman's fire and in him trying to go over the top and, and be like, I just wonder how it might've been different if Norman had gotten into a talking match with Cam Newton or had drawn, you know, a 15 yard excessive play early, but it showed that he was just dialed in and and was going to be a ball hawk all night again I'm, I'm sort of straddling the fence and I'm not trying to take away from him but I'm also wondering if the over attention to not getting him hyped maybe took away from this the natural you know hypeness that he brings to the table and that seems to have been a, a, a jolt for as you mentioned you know an inconsistent not great defense but but that at times has shown the backbone and maybe that's a uh, uh, you know, a defense that is responding to a fiery guy. So I, I'm going to throw that theory out there because we saw the, we didn't see um, Josh Norman because, because again, going back to the Steve Smith comparison, Steve Smith used to be the guy that people would say, man, it's primetime game. Got to watch out. He's going to get too hyped. And he'll be like, yeah, but that's kind of how I roll. I'm just going to open the game by punching somebody. Hope I don't get thrown out. And then I'm not going to get any stupid penalties late, but that's how I fire myself up. So I, I wonder if Josh Norman might've been better off being cut loose a little bit more um, in this game. So that, that that's one crazy theory to throw at you. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's pretty good. There's, there's, you know, there's probably some validity to that. Cause you think back of just how the game went down and I would say it almost was kind of conspicuous that he was a little subdued. I mean, he probably was going out of his way to chill a little bit um, just because of the context, because you, you, you really weren't seeing. I mean, he was a little bit demonstrative after he, he almost had that interception. But, uh, yeah, it really wasn't the same kind of fire and aggression that you usually see. I, I thought, you know, it, it's in it's in Brent's notes, but I thought he was sort of okay tonight. I mean, he did a good job. He didn't he didn't really get um, he didn't really you know he, he certainly didn't get lit up. It, it was interesting that the, the Carolina on that first drive they did have a couple of slants on him, and it was almost like they were going at him. Um, yeah, the, I wonder, on the very see, first possession. That's I wonder if you know Carolina was probably hearing the same things of like oh don't get drawn into the Norman stuff, and I wonder if they were a little bit like. 
nah, man, we 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 try. We want to show our fire. Or or I yeah, who knows? Who knows what mind games were being played there? Played there. I but, thought you know. during the week he he handled it pretty well. I mean, he didn't avoid it. Uh, he was obviously asked a lot about it, and he had a whole presser. Um, uh, and and he acknowledged that yeah, I've kind of had this circled. Um, and, and, and you know, it didn't really turn into a circus. But you know, there's I mean, I'm with you. There's no telling how. Uh, definitely th- that was one of the main sort of subplots going into this and and for a carolina team that's been you know 99.9% mathematically eliminated i i suspect that they would have used that as as one of the few remaining things to help them get up for this so you know it, it may have worked yep uh so you mentioned the 99.9 whatever percent eliminated i was curious and again i hate to make this panthers corner but this one involves the washington redskins too do you know what the do you know that the Panthers are technically still alive? Yeah, yeah, and, they are. They are because like fifty-eight things need to happen, including a tie. Yeah, okay. I wanted to know, make sure you knew that one. The yeah. Panthers have to pull for the Redskins to tie one of their next two games. <laughs> like that has to happen because some somewhere I think that works in the wild card where that creates a scenario where you know somebody can be just good enough to knock somebody else out, but not knock the Panthers out. So we really need. Washington to play for that tie uh, somewhere along the way. So uh, do you have a quick summary now on what the Redskins uh, playoffs hopes rest on as, uh, as far as obviously you they would want to win their next two games. And after that, what, what they would need to happen. Yeah, it's not a wild long shot. Um, if I'm not mistaken, what they need is uh, to win both of the remaining two, of course, and then I think they need both Green Bay and Tampa to each lose at least once more. Yeah, so not um, crazy. So you know, I mean, it's not it's not this wild wild impossibility. I think you know, five thirty eight has it at something like twenty percent. I mean, um, you know, so it, it exists. But they obviously, you know, to me, getting help, you know, having to get help sucks. Um, and who knows if you'll get it. Cause it's, you know, it's always, it, it's just uncomfortable having to root for, for, you know, teams that are obviously decent if they're even in the playoff picture to lose. So, um, you know, you don't, you never know if you're going to get that, but you watch a game like tonight. And again, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse, but in a game where they, they really ha- should have shown everything that they, that they are and everything that they could be. And they were so awful and the, the idea of even you know winning against both Chicago and New York seems like kind of a stretch. I mean, I'm, why would you be confident now that they could win the last two? They just, um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what to say. I, I think, I, I, to me, this this felt like the end of the season. I mean, I, mean, I'm, I know that it's not. No, I'll, I know be, what you I'll mean. be I'll be fully invested against Chicago, but it was like. It was just kind of like thing after thing, you know. It was, it was drops. It was poor focus. It was a bunch of injuries. Yep. It just felt like, you know, as you got into the second half, it was meltdown mode. And by the way, I, I want to be clear. This also may pop up in Brent's notes, but I thought the refs gave the Redskins every call tonight, really? which is which is why, you know, like I think the Panthers, you know, kicked themselves in the foot a bunch of times. Yep. And I think, or <laughs> I guess, shot themselves. Yeah, I thought the refs hooked up the Redskins a bunch of times on non-calls and reviews. And even with that, it was a two score, you know, margin of, yep. of defeat. It, it really, it really should have been worse. So, um, I wanted to also point out, Hayes, I was getting a text from a buddy just as we started. And I, I know you, we've joked a lot about, um, my fear of the Redskins playing in primetime and how some of that was maybe somewhat, um, uh, smoothed out after they had had a good showing on Sunday night against, yep. um, the Packers recently. But, 
in their last 17 Monday night games at home, <laughs> yeah, the Redskins have lost 16 of them. That is, uh, that's that's not that that's consistency. I mean, come on, that's uh, so now it's not a primetime game thing; it's a Monday night game thing. Is that what we're going with? I mean, those those numbers are hard to overlook. Um, I appreciate you as a Carolina fan saying you thought all the calls went to Carolina. I I legitimately was going to say uh, I thought it was kind of a poorly officiated game all the way uh, because I felt like there were a couple bad, um, like the 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 Greg Olson or the one that they they called pass interference, but then they called an uncatchable pass. I thought that was a bad pass interference call. But then the way they went about picking it up, I thought that was bad too. It's almost like we well, made the bad call. The, like the rules may maintain you stand by it. They kind of BS'd it their way out of it. Um, I, the the cam the cam slide and and then toss was an interesting one. I I personally didn't feel like it was a terrible helmet helmet. And then you had to call the taunt on Cam because he blatantly threw the ball on the guy. Even though as a Panthers fan, I totally understood why I did it and backed him up for it. Uh, but the, right. the 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 most egregious I think was the uh, the late. Uh, the Kirk Cousins, you know, late hit that really wasn't that it just looked yeah. bad because he slammed into the cheerleader. Um, <laughs> I want to hit two notes uh, before we get to Brent's notes. Uh, one, we, we talked about oftentimes little things that are the signs of teams that have gone from like, all right, you're a playoff competing. You know, you've got the personnel and the and the coaching staff and the years experience to be a playoff uh, competitive team. I think the Reds, we've agreed, the Redskins have stepped into being a team that started the season and progressed the season as one who knew they could compete for a a playoff spot and probably were a step away from those top tier teams. And we've talked about what makes those top tier teams and little plays here and there. Things like, you know, a long play where a wide receiver sends a signal to his offensive lineman. Hey, I bobbled that. Let's all get up here and snap it quick. Those types of things. There was one that the Redskins had that I thought was a clear sign of a team that's not quite, you know, elite yet and more on the coaching staff than the players, although it's a little bit the players. At the end of the first half, and this may be in your notes too, I don't know, the the uh, Redskins got the ball back with like, I want to say 155 on the clock. They were on their own like 30, and they had all three timeouts. Mm-hmm. To me at that point, obviously you're trying to score. Anytime you start a drive, you're trying to score. But secondary in that drive is you don't have, you should try very hard to not give the ball up again. Yeah. And you know if you've got three timeouts, that means you've got your full array of playbook. It, it, it's, it seems like yeah. team, it, bad teams are like, all right, guys, we practiced the two-minute warning plan. Let's go run that two-minute warning plan well. And it's like, this is not quite the same two-minute. This is not <laughs> down three, a minute, 40 to go, one timeout. we got to move 80 yards. This is, you know, going into halftime, a, a big priority should be not giving the Panthers the ball back. And I don't yeah. think the Panthers ended up hurting them, but I want to say they threw like three incomplete passes and then punted and gave the ball back to the Panthers with a minute yeah. 30 and two timeouts. And again, that to me was just uh, indicative of the not quite at that level of, hey, you know, yeah, I mean, Belichick would be the obvious example of that's how the Panther, the Patriots always maximize the you know score at the end of the half, or at least make sure the other team doesn't, and then score to open the second half and really uh, stick it to teams. So that was observation number one. The second observation, and this is a little bit shout out for my boy who we could talk some, but I was reminded of the difference between even when Kirk Cousins is playing very well, which he has all season, 
the play that Cam made is the play that Aaron Rodgers will make, and even pay, slow ass Peyton Manning, you know, mm-hmm. reaction time will, will make a lot of times. And then I'm not sure Kirk Cousins makes yet. And somebody will hit up and be like, "Oh, he made that exact play earlier this year." But <laughs> when whatever play they called, I think it was play action, and then Cam turned around and somebody had come unblocked uh, off the off the, the the end, and Cam was able to fully get his body around and make a decent enough throw to the tight end, who then you know ran for ten yards and a first down or whatever. Yeah, that, that yeah. To it me, was Trent Murphy almost got to him. Yeah, right. and, and, that, was, that was an awesome play. He had to like react right away, make the throw with the dude coming into his chin, and, and that was just one of those. Yeah, you know the. The running 40 yards, galloping, and then flipping over for the end zone is always going to be Cam's highlight reel, not that play. But that, to me, is the, you know, that, that's, that's just what a, a 6'5 strong dude who has enough experience to also be pretty quick thinking can do that not a lot of people can do. And, uh, and you know, good luck finding a quarterback that can do all those other things and then do that, yeah. that little one. That's, that's what sets some of those guys apart. So. Definitely a playmaker. All right, before we get to Brent's notes, let's give a shout-out to our guys at SeatGeek. They sponsor the podcast. SeatGeek, the best place to go for your tickets. Brent, let me ask you, what is your favorite app to use on your phone? Any any app, not, not, not necessarily uh, a sports app, not necessarily. It could be whatever, ticket app, whatever. What's your favorite app on you your phone? You know I spend all day on Twitter, and my favorite app to use, on twi- to use Twitter by is TweetBot. Okay, and what makes it a great app? Well, it's uh, convenient. Okay. And it has a pleasant user interface. Yes. And it's how I speak with my followers. All right. Pleasant user interface is actually something I'm definitely going to focus on because as I scroll through the SeatGeek app right now, I see a great layout. It tells me all uh, upcoming events in my area that I would be wanting to go to. For me, that's Carolina Hurricanes, ACC basketball, things like that. Wherever you are, you can get Washington Redskins tickets if that's in your area or anything. Um, Cruiser Ride, it's got great interface. The other things I like you, it tells you uh, what the best value seats are. And another thing, you can also have it tell you what the what the price is going to be with fees written in. There's nothing more that I hate than thinking I'm paying one thing for a ticket, and then you go to check out. It's like, oh, yeah, and then there's, like, fees in. So if you want, they can tell you the fees from the time you're buying the tickets so you know them all the way through. Check out SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app today, and you can get $20 back on your first purchase. Just download the app, go to the Settings tab, click Add a Promo Code, enter the promo code BURGUNDY. For this blogcast, that is Burgundy, spell it right, B-U-R-G-U-N-D-Y. And SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. That is SeatGeek. And now it is time for Brent's notes. Brent, I've got your notes. That's right. I read them to you and try to decipher what it is you're telling me. Uh, Let's start with the first half. Stop deferring. I think I know what that one is, and I kind of like it. Uh, I'll let you take it, though. Yeah, this this got a little play in terms of um, game narratives this week. This is referring to what, basically what the Redskins should do when they win the coin toss, which which they've been doing at a at a uh, probability defying rate. Um, but so typically, what happens this season is the Redskins win, and then they elect to get the ball in the second half. Which I want to be clear, in general, I tend to agree with. I kind of like it. the idea of having your extra possession in the second half. Yep. 
when you kind of have a little bit more laid out on the table, there's more information available. But again, with this particular team, with a strong offense, we didn't see much of it tonight, but in general, much stronger offense than a defense. I kind of hate seeing over the last month the Redskins kicking it away and then watching a team just march all the way down, sometimes get seven, sometimes get three. But I, I just hate the feel. I hate the tone that it sets. And yes, of course, you do get the you get that possession back. But um, it, to, to me, it's just not it doesn't fit this roster. Uh, it's interesting. I'm one who does like the the defer, but I would be open minded to uh, to at least considering like, hey, man, if four weeks in a row or something like that, you know, we've been marched on. Maybe just switch it up just for uh, for the sake of switching it up. Um, 91 slash 92 is your next note. I don't know. That, that just one. refers to, um, uh, I think it was the second defensive series when the Redskins actually looked like they might show some signs of life and force a three and out, including that play where Kerrigan got by the right tackle and seemed to maybe injure, re-injure Cam's shoulder. And it felt like maybe, you know, he was kind of acting like it was a big deal, and I thought maybe that was going to really change the tenor of the game. Yep. And then right yep. after that, Chris Baker um, got into the backfield for an, a, a really nice um, tackle for a loss. So I was like, hey, okay, they sucked on the opening series, but then they, they you know, maybe they're getting their act together, and then uh, they kind of wilted after that. Yeah, they were getting after him for a little bit. Uh, Ginn, TD, WTF. I know that one because uh, Ted Ginn doesn't normally get that wide open, and we saw later why teams sometimes don't mind him getting wide open. But, uh, but <laughs> was that just a busted coverage, or was that, hey, they've, they're going to have four or five receivers, and Ted Ginn we're going to put as the fourth or fifth one, so he might get open sometimes. I guess I guess the coaches will have a chance to explain this. I mean, the, the broadcasts and and all the all the Twitter experts kind of put it all on Dante Whitner, the safety, who it, it does look like he was probably responsible for not letting the guy get over him. But it was really weird. Uh, Norman sort of started out on Ginn, and then he he probably passed him off to Whitner, who basically just didn't receive him. Yep. But you know that there are a couple of still frames at the end there that are so damning because Norman didn't end up near anybody either i mean it was probably some kind of zone but um ugh, i mean gin sitting there wide open in the end zone and neither whitner nor norman near any carolina players that was just infuriating i, I don't know man i played pickup ball today with a guy that i'm more than happy to you know sag five feet off of when he's behind the three-point line and he hit three of them today. I mean, I haven't seen him hit three in the five years I've been playing with him, and I think that was a little bit of uh, Josh Norman being like, nah, nah, y'all, 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 it's Ted Ginn, dude. It's Ted yeah, Ginn. give him that. It's all good. It's all good. Um, hashtag Cuzbone. I asked you if that officially was a Cuzbone or if it needed to be, you know, closer to the red zone, but it was a pretty bad pick. He didn't see the, the safety just sitting there. Kirk Coleman, who apparently eats up the Washington Redskins, he's got like <laughs> six of his career 18 – picks against the uh the skins um any anything particular on this cuzbone yeah you did you did ask me on twitter if it was a cuzbone as i was tweeting that indeed it was a cuzbone <laughs> really really bad pick um and it you know sure enough there there you know he's he started there was a stretch in the middle of the season where it seemed like he had killed the cuzbone but it is definitely back i want to do a rock the casbah parody to kill the cuzbone bone. um bashad back yeah, he had he had a pretty good game, uh, especially in the first half. He he wasn't stellar in the second, but um, I think maybe three pass breakups in the first half. So we've been killing him all year, but he was he's mostly been um, playing slot. At least while Dunbar was still out there, he eventually got hurt. But Dunbar was on the boundary, and uh, and Breland has moved inside, and I don't know. He looked pretty good in the first half, so I wanted to give him a little cred. Spate Yeesh. 
Yeah, so uh, Spate is the backup uh, linebacker who's in for Compton, uh, injured, Martrell Spate. And, um, you know, he's, he's, this, is, this was his first career start. It's his second year in the league. I was very interested to see what he could do because I think the Redskins are going to be in the market for an upgrade on Compton. But he didn't have a great game. And there, there was that one play in particular where Olsen got behind him and Spate basically just fell over and conceded a 30-some yard reception. So not the best uh, starting debut for Spate. Stewart, silly run. Do you remember this play? Uh, they had him. We're still in the first half, but um, they had him like dead to rights, uh, three yards deep in the backfield, and he just like wiggled out of it and and broke you know five tackles and, and ultimately ran for a first down. I thought the play was just like a microcosm of the whole Redskins defense with the missed tackles. Was it breathtaking? Was it a, was it a run for no I mean, yards that was breathtaking? I don't know that it was, you know, certainly wasn't Fat Rob quality breathtaking. But, I, I, uh, I will it, have to say. It was, it was startling. Did you notice uh, Sean McDonough at one point, I swear in the game, he said they were talking about what a you know good year he's had and undrafted guys. He's played so well. He's like, he's like, I mean, he'll have some runs where he didn't even gain a yard or two, but it's still impressive. And I was sitting there and I was like, damn it, McDonough thinks he's breathtaking with these zero yard runs. That's amazing. So maybe I, maybe I, maybe I was underestimating the uh, the awe-inspiring zero-yard runs by Fat Rob. Um, I told you. I'm going to skip ahead and come back to, since we're on fatness. What's the note about fatness? Well, he just uh, you know he didn't he didn't do too much in the rushing yardage category. Although his um, his touchdown run was nice, but uh, before that um, he had he had two real two two more really nice receptions, long first down receptions. Yeah, that so was nice to see. Even though his stats weren't amazing tonight, he um, I thought he he still uh, continues to make the most of his opportunities. Agreed. Um, all right, the note that I skipped over was Cam hate is real. Is that you hating Cam? Is that other people? No, no, that's 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 general hate with a capital. H and, and this was you, you know you were kind of um uh sort of uh, justifying that the no call on that play where he eventually you know he got the 15 for taunting I, I was shocked I'm not saying that I think that necessarily should have been right. a um uh unnecessary roughness penalty but that seemed like a blow to his head that would I mean for almost any other quarterback yeah. draw a flag and and that he did not get it to me was just like dang this whole thing with him not getting flags is legit. Yeah, now I agree uh, in that sense. Uh, it it was not egregious to me in that like I didn't think the guy was being dirty. I thought the guy was you know going to hit him in the ribs and he started his lean about the time the camp started to slide and ended up the way he did. Uh, but but no, there is no chance. I feel like, and this is the classic go-to example, but I don't feel like Brady, you know, there's no chance Brady doesn't get that call. Uh, And again, I didn't fault the ref for then uh, tossing the ball on him, but if, if, and sometimes they just don't see the, you know, it it clearly wasn't a huge helmet-to-helmet hit based on the way both guys reacted, but that's not the point. Uh, But oftentimes, I, I thought maybe we would get a ref huddle and one of the other, almost like in that the later you know pass interference call they picked up, if one of the refs had just been like, "Hey, I think they did kind of bump heads," like, "Oh well, then it's easy. We got the taunting. We can just call that <laughs> one and then make it uh, you know uh, offsetting, and then nobody loses." But uh, but now it's it yes on, on on the sense of like was I um, was I dismayed that they wouldn't call that for Cam? No. But do you look at it and say, man, there's a lot of quarterbacks where no question that that flag yeah. would have come out, or, or almost like the coach would have. Pointed it out to the refs, they would have said, "Oh, they did hit helmets." Well, definitely flat, you know. So there is a little bit of that. Um, keep it going. Ending the first half with Hop MXP. Ooh, yeah, that was bad. 
Like yeah, he's that. just he's just completely gone from you know first month of the year. Um, I felt like he was rock solid, and now um, I mean I don't know if he's hopeless, but all my confidence is gone. I don't know what happened to him. He's leading the league in missed field goals, and to miss an extra point again tonight, I mean the guy is just super shaky right now. Can you change at this point? I don't know that there's much point. I mean yeah. I, I I think kickers are totally fungible. I mean you could go probably sign a guy on Wednesday and and you know start him but I mean I I don't know who's necessarily out there that's better. I think you roll with the guy who knows the system for right now but we we were we had been thinking this was okay now our new kicker for a decade finally we've got stability and I think that whole that whole discussion is back in play unfortunately. You need to go kidnap Justin Tucker from uh up in Baltimore. <laughs> Capital A Y F K M. I believe that's Are You Freaking Kidding Me? And that would yep. be the uh, the sort of fluky fumble turnover in the to start the second half. That was really a bad bad look. Absolutely. I mean, what on earth? Uh, Vernon Davis basically ruined the whole thing by you know. I mean, first of all, I think it's probably a, uh, an ambitious ask to have him cover a defensive end on Cousins' blind side, but boy, did that fail. He got blown <laughs> up straight into Cousins' back. I mean, what a calamity that was. This is definitely, I think, you know, there was one last week, and this was the one this week, in my opinion, clearly the most important play of the game. Changed everything. I mean, the whole, just utterly neutralizing yeah. your whole strategy of having the ball in first possession in the second half, yeah. but to turn it over at the zero... I mean, freaking a! Just like I, I was, I could, I couldn't pay attention to anything that happened in the game for ten minutes after that. I was just so stupefied by the imbecility of that ridiculous play. <laughs> a worthy, a worthy description. Uh, well done. Uh, I, I have nothing to add. Moving on. Next note: Norman Okas. We've sort of hit on that. He, he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep it moving. Uh, getting bodied. So, Overall, I think the Redskins' offense and defense. I mean, there was a point where there was like that. The I think the, the tight end Dixon just just destroyed Will Blackman, yeah. and then um and then on the very next play, Stewart just just totally trucked someone. And and I'm realizing that just on both sides they're getting dominated at the line of scrimmage. And overall, it just feels like adults versus children in this game. Uh, Eleven Matrix. Yeah, so that's uh, eleven is uh, Deshaun Jackson, Jackson, of course, and that this was this was in reference to the first of what was eventually two awesome sideline catches that were initially called incomplete and then overruled. But the first one in particular was just unbelievable. Yeah, uh, I think uh, then he had an odd drop, and we were discussing yeah. if perhaps Deshaun Jackson only practices catching balls falling out of bounds or Willie Mays catching. Like he only, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't even practice like taking it in the gut. Like he doesn't catch anything coming at his chest. That uh, he doesn't want that. And usually plays when you catch it in your chest and then like make a turn and run, you're gonna get hit by somebody. He prefers yeah. the hey, you know what? Go ahead and throw it a yard out of bounds and I'll snag it and keep it in here. Or or the more preferred just just throw it by everybody. I'll <laughs> run by everybody. We score. I don't get hit. This is how Deshaun Jackson plays football. But, I mean, it, that it wasn't even really a slant. It wasn't your hardcore, hey, you're definitely going to get a hit on this. But it just had the feel of, like, Deshaun, like, man, I don't know 
with this turning into the middle of the field, catching, and then putting my feet down and running towards dudes. That, that's just not how I play receiver. No uh, question. He did that all night. He's making business decisions all night <laughs> in this game. And I think in his case, I'm, I'm actually kind of okay with it. In fact, anytime he makes a catch, I'm always just like, get down, get down, because he's a China doll. Yeah, no. So, I mean, just do your thing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. No, I'm, I'm the same way. He's like, man, I am not here to be catching these 10 yard in routes. I am, I am here to run hard and then maybe grab some things that you think are going out of bounds. Uh, 86 haymaker. And I should have mentioned him earlier too. What an odd game for Jordan Reed in any, any explanation for that? I mean, th- this seems to me like one where if we knew everything that was going on in that guy's life, we would know, Something had like a family member died, or he yeah. just broke up with a girlfriend, or something. It just seems so odd for him to be so out of sorts that that it ended up with him uh, getting kicked out. And obviously, anytime you get hurt, you're going to be pissed. But just an odd night. Odd is absolutely right. It was. I mean, he had just a, he had a very yeah. Just it was an odd game. I mean, here, here's the obvious context coming in is that so Jordan Reed coming into the season, obviously tremendous player, one of the, one of the best players in the team. Uh, one of the best tight ends in the NFL has has kind of had this sort of fragile rep, and so he's he's came in, come into this year. He was healthy. He's having a great year, and then he suffered this, you know, very serious shoulder separation on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys. Um, he came back from it in the second half to have this Willis Reed type game, even even though they lost. He scored twice, and then he's really I think been been very focused on on you know showing his tough. He also missed a game this year for another, yet another concussion. So he's really fixated on demonstrating his toughness, which I uh, appreciate and respect. But he did not seem like he had any business being in the game at all, even even the first half tonight. I mean, he he's he was um, you know there was the one play where what's his face. Um, Shaq, Shaq Thompson, yep. you know, kind of like nudged him in, in the bad shoulder yep. and he went down like a, like it was a grenade, yep. you know? And so you're like, okay, he's not fit for football yeah, right now. He that. clearly was extremely frustrated pro- probably from that with, you know, with that play more than any of the others, but basically just not being able to play every down lack of involvement. Then he's getting hurt. And I think it just boiled over. Yep. And, um, look, I don't want to just pile on the guy, but. Punching somebody with a helmet on has got to be one of the dumbest moves you, ever, you can ever make as a as an athlete, right? <laughs> I mean, so punching stupid. a dude in the visor, right? I mean, didn't he? <laughs> I mean, it would, the only thing that could have been worse for that guy tonight is if we find out that he like fractured a pinky on on the, uh, oh, on the visor. Oh, I hope not. Oh no, that would be awful. Uh, I cannot believe it is almost one o'clock at night. So we're going to power through these Brent's notes at the ends, keep them short, and we already know a couple of them here. Uh, Cuz Languid, why are you using big words to me at, after midnight? Languid felt like exactly what what Cousins was tonight. He just he just lacked vigor and vitality. Um, you know, again, disappointing, especially in the second half. I'm like, okay, come on out, guns blazing, show us what you got, and you know, just wasn't there. How yep. you like me now? Yep. I don't like you very much right now. <laughs> 85 ass clown, more hate for Vernon Davis. Davis. Terrible game, blocking, drops, overall awareness. Um, you know, he had been having a great season, but he really sucked. Yeah, he did. He had a bad drop. What, what happened to the tight ends? Maybe they uh, were. Maybe they're fighting over the same girl or something. Uh, all the calls we sort of hit on. You were very gracious yep. there, not blaming the refs at all. Again, I I thought they were off in general. Walt Coleman was looking them real old tonight. Uh, cheerleader <laughs> killed. No jokes there. We hope she's okay, but that did sort of uh, help bring the, the whistle. And laid down is the final note, which is pretty obvious, but I'll let you explain because we'll go out with that. Yeah, again, I mean, I just I just expected more in the last couple of possessions and last few chances. It just They, they went out with a whimper. Um, 
So, uh, I mean, I, I think it's a half on coaches, half on players, total, total team failure. Very, very, um, very sucky. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to guess what you're going to see the next two weeks out of the Washington. Obviously, you know, they're going to talk about how they're going to compete and how they, you know, are just going to try and win two games and then figure out what the other teams are doing and say all the things like that. But I think as fans who watched uh, this game and, and you know, have seen the ups and the downs, but, but knowing the importance of this game and seeing the performance they put out there, I think there's a lot of question of what the heck are we going to get the next two weeks? Yep, definitely. Yeah. I don't know where, I don't know where you go. I mean, you hope the backs against the wall, uh, very much still alive, even though those hopes are dwindling. I mean, you, you hope they come out with everything they got, but, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I feel like they might have they might have put one foot in the coffin tonight. Let's hope that what the word next week is not a synonym for pathetic and that Brent can come up with something big. Uh, it'll be a Monday podcast back next week. Sorry, this one's a little late, but the game was a little late. That's what we got to do. Um, signing off for Brent and the Burgundy Blogcast. I am Sports Channel 8's Hayes. Hey, 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 hey.